This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, Mike. And joining us today to talk about Season 3 again is Andy. Hi. Yay, it's Andy. Yay. This is the last time we talk about Season 3, I swear to God. We said that last time. I know, but this is for real the last time, because if it's not, I'm going to just start. I don't even know what. I don't even know what I'm going to do, but it's not going to be good. It's going to be like season three level bad. I'm I'm a little nervous because I've never heard Mike that upset. Uh, it's just, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's a cumulative thing, you know? Now, There's only so much season three one person can take. Now, what would be the worst thing that we could do to Mike in this final discussion of season three? What, what do you think, Andy? Um, I keep telling him that we need to watch Plato's Stepchildren, and he keeps crying and saying no, but I win. I win today. <laughs> yep, yep. You're all going to hell. <laughs> but that's okay. I guess I am, too, because we're watching Plato's Stepchildren commentary. And I had to watch it last night. That was awesome. Thanks, guys. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's get this over with. It's so nice to see you handle this with such grace. (laughs) Yeah. We can watch it on fast forward, right? (laughs) We could totally move. They're moving so fast. (laughs) We could totally do that. Everybody go to two times speed. So it's not that ago. bad. That's the whole point of why I'm here is I'm going to tell you why it's not that bad. All right. I'm ready for my opinion of Plato's stepchildren to be changed. Are you really? Because <laughs> I feel like you're not. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. I'm All ready right. when you are. So we're starting up at zero on the counter. Uh, it doesn't matter which version you're watching. You can watch the original broadcast version or the special edition You can watch the Netflix version or the Blu-ray or whatever. Whatever it is, it's crap. And we're going to be starting it up (laughs) in three, two, one, start. Look, it's the Enterprise. You like the Enterprise. Already this episode is starting out great. (laughs) Yeah, the Enterprise is awesome. All right. And they're flying next to a planet. There's a distress call. See, they go right into the, the action here. They don't even, like, take a moment. Well, that's a very original series thing to do. They're like, know? here's the action, and here's the random sciencing that you're mm-hmm. going to have to do. And, oh, look, there's stuff happening. And it was very important to the, the networks. They wanted them to get off the ship more often. So for this one, they were just like, ah, we won't even have on the ship at all. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Alexander. All right, there's Alexander, and he's going to entertain them, I guess. Well, that's what he's been taught is his place on this planet. Yep. 
I get the impression. Okay, so a little bit of background of why I'm forcing Mike to watch this. Um, it's not because I hate him. It's because I this was one of the very few episodes when I was tweeting that I got lots and lots and lots of tweets beforehand telling me that I was going to hate it. And then I didn't hate it. I actually kind of liked it. And everyone was like, what? Say what? <laughs> um, so now I want to give people a chance to explain why I don't hate this episode. And um, if there's anyone who hates my opinion more on this than you, Mike, it's Dan Prue from Earl Grey. Every time Plato's stepchildren comes up, he, like, covers his ears and, like, screams. Um, <laughs> so you're not alone. And it's definitely one of those episodes that most people hate because I shocked a lot of people by going, hey, that wasn't bad at all. I kind of liked it. Uh, just to be clear, I I don't hate your opinion of this episode. <laughs> I just disagree with your opinion of this episode. Fair violently. enough. Fair enough. I ha I hate the episode, not the opinion. Okay, great. That's good. Let's make it clear that this is all it's all with affection. Our disagreements. Um. Yeah. So here's McCoy, and I guess this guy has powers, really awkward powers, and McCoy <laughs> is trying to save him, which is a mistake apparently. This is one of those times when I wish I could swear because I would call him something, but I can't. <laughs> and hey, it's Barbara Babcock again. Oh yeah, what else oh. was she in? Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. Yeah. Okay, but what what else wasn't she in another episode of Star Trek or something like that? Well, she was the voice of the computer in, uh, uh, in Space Simon Bond. Ninja oh, okay. Cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I forgot its official new title. So, Space the Final Frontier. You like that too, right? I, I like The space. credits are good. <laughs> the credits cool. are the credits uh, are always good. Although uh I don't remember I don't know. I mean, I know that they've changed some stuff or whatever, but like last night I was watching the Netflix version, which is the remastered and they like redid the music and it was mm -hmm. a little over the top. I was like, what's going on, guys? This is, but whatever. This is always the time I take to get settled in um, for my live tweeting. And yeah, because you don't have to tweet the credits each Exactly. Time. It's like a little break. Um, and the credits are blue, so that means that we're in for some trouble. <laughs> blue alert. See, I, I never noticed that. You notice such specific things that I never would notice. Season three is blue. Okay. I could point out a hundred things about the credits that you've never noticed. That's probably oh, yes, true. Could. How are the I studied e's? I studied them once. Yes, the E's are, the are only e's curved. Cool? The eaves are not curved in DeForest Kelly's credit because he wasn't credited in the first season. When all the E's were curved. Poor Alexander. Okay, so, so the premise here is that these guys were they would like hang out with the gods back in the day is that right on earth and oh no okay they they were they're not humans they yeah there were aliens who hung out with they Plato. Came, they came to earth hung out with plato thought he was cool left and sort of adopted plato's style and stuff um because and haven't changed cool. in like four thousand years yeah i think it's two thousand years right didn't they say Two, two or three thousand years? Two, two thousand years? I don't uh, know. When was Plato around? Who knows? I don't know. So <laughs> I'm sure that somebody knows. Sure. 
I want to point out that the, this very opening scene starts off with what is the theme of this episode, which basically is that these, God, I want to swear, these terrible people um, <laughs> are just looking for entertainment and they care more about power than they care about anything else. So right from the beginning, they start us off um, very clearly with this theme of power and entertainment and how they intertwine for these people. The word you're looking for is frack. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's more going frack. for uh, some nouns to describe the people uh, oh. here. Frackers. <laughs> yes. Good. <clears throat> so there's there's a lot of sciencey bits that I don't care about at all. Um. So they're explaining kind of their culture, which I they killed everybody that wasn't worthy. Yeah. So it's only thirty eight of them. I, I do I do love this scene where Troll Spock lives. He's like, what? You look old to me. <laughs> 35? Yeah. What? Yeah. I will uh, stick up for Troll Spock one million times. I love him. Um, where he just, <laughs> just totally, he knows what he's doing. You cannot convince me that he does this in ignorance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has a sense of humor. He's just not allowed to show that he has one. Yeah. Uh, so the the beginning of this episode, I think, is the weakest. Basically, when they're the sh they're talking through the exposition instead of showing, which is a weakness of a lot of TOS stories, and actually TNG does that a fair amount too, where um instead of like finding a way to bring us the exposition in kind of an interesting way, they basically just stand around and discuss it. Uh -huh. Yeah. I just I just like the the stagehands throwing stuff at the <laughs> actors as, as he's going crazy. Yeah, Captain Scotty, that's right. And I, I love I love the everybody pretending to shake. Every once in a while, they do a really good job with it. This is not one of those times. <laughs> no, that one was bad. <laughs> Poor Jimmy Dewan, look at him. Ah! Um... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> But yeah, uh, I definitely think that the beginning of this episode is weaker than the rest of it. It's so like the first See, 10 I'm, to 15 minutes. I'm not sure that I agree with that because in the beginning of the, the episode, at least they're like setting up this stuff, which has an interesting premise. You know, I don't have anything wrong. I, I don't have any problem with the premise of this episode or, or anything like that or the ideas in it. The problem that I have is with the execution and the fact that like, it essentially becomes like this extended sequence where it's like we've seen this thing happen like 15 times already, you know? So at least here it's still fresh and new and we're we're still figuring things out, whereas later on we're just watching stuff yeah, that's, that's not true. at all entertaining. I can see that. Or interesting. You know. Um. So I I do like the beginning here because this <laughs> this part gets to give us some really good Shatner moments, but also get to see DeForest Kelly be Shatner. Basically, it's like that whole thing where he rolls along the the uh the wall is so something that Shatner did and turn about intruder, <clears throat> and just like flails. I love it. Mm -hmm. Bones, shake him. Break his concentration. 
<laughs> he's shaking the yet. whole planet and the Enterprise. You know what will help? Just shake him. Just shake him around a little hey, bit. Hey, man, when you can't do anything else, what do you do? You shake it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the uh, the airplane school of of handling your problems. Somebody's freaking out. Shake them. Slap them a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know this actor who plays Alexander, but he's great. Yeah, he's pretty good. He he actually is a really good actor. And you got to figure, like, especially at this time, there's, there's a couple layers here with having a small person be in this scene or in this episode because not only is he discriminated against within the episode, you know he faced discrimination outside the episode as well as an actor because it's really yeah. hard to find parts. <clears throat> I mean, Tyrion Lannister is basically the best part ever to come around in the last hundred <laughs> years. <clears throat> well, Ewoks and Jawas. Yeah, and... making them pretend to be small creatures is uh, definitely a really good part. <laughs> well, okay, so starting off, this I love this. See how he braces himself? What do you mean like me? He thinks it's going to be about his size. He's totally braced for that, and Kirk totally turns it around. And there is some mm-hmm. really good stuff in here about not disc- discriminating against people for whatever reason. And I like that Kirk explicitly says so. Now, they don't always back that up within the show, but you, this is why I like this show in general, because that's what they were trying to portray. This idea that nobody where they are from would discriminate against somebody based on what they look like. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I mean, I guess that's true. But, you know, to me, that's so present throughout all of Star Trek. And I mean, granted, you know, the original series had some trouble finding its, its footing with that. But it's so present throughout all of Star Trek that this little scene you know while it's nice and everything like that it's just kind of a a blip you know in in the franchise on the whole and it's in such a horrible episode (laughs) otherwise that it just doesn't justify this episode's existence you know what i I just like how it's played it's like he he that that tense thing that he does this is why i say whoever that i'm sorry i don't know the actor's name but whoever's playing alexander does a great job because it's just like you can see his reaction very clearly and then it's just subverted and I I like it. And that's why I like it because it is, this is the goal of Star Trek at its best is this idea. So maybe you don't think it was executed particularly well in this. I can see that. But to me, that's what all of Star Trek, like that's the whole point of it to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I'm pretty sure this is the only time that Kirk ever said, beam us up. And he, if he just said Scotty, then that, that meme would have actually been Real? No, I think, I think he says Scotty, beam us up occasionally. You know, that stuff. I think the, the, the exact wording that was never said was, beam me up, Scotty. Mary. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Sorry. Mary just um, pounced on my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's your cat, right? Yes, Mary cat. Yeah, no, there's not some random person that's like, 
jumping on my computer. <laughs> jumping on your keyboard. <clears throat> Stop podcasting. And then we start um, getting into the music, which music is used throughout this episode. Kirk. Philosopher King. Kirk is so great. Look at him. Rawr. Look at his face. I will take you down. See, they're threatening the Enterprise. Yeah, he can't handle that. That's a big no-go He's no like, go oh, you're threatening me. Oh, that's kind of sad. He's like, you're threatening the Enterprise. I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you all. I have a very particular set of skills. I am super awesome in every way, except I'm not. I'm the worst. <laughs> I, I, the special effects made oh. me laugh in this episode. Oh my god, Mary! I'm, I'm very surprised no. that I'm Jesus. glad that they couldn't. Mary, no! Sorry, you're gonna have to add it on. <laughs> she just stole my bagel off my plate. Oh, there you go. Do you need to go get that? Because I can understand. I've been there. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I threw a pillow at her. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Shatner's slapping himself. So this the overacting Shatner stuff. At first, all of this kind of this guy is controlling the Enterprise starts out really over the top and kind of funny. Mary, no, I'm running out of pillows. Okay. <laughs> um. So they they start controlling them with telekinesis, and at first it's played really really funny. Like the Kirk slapping himself thing just made me laugh. It's like stop slapping yourself. Stop slapping yourself. It's such a <laughs> it's such a mean thing to do to someone. That was a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see this stuff. I was I was like I was kind of laughing, but I was also like, oh, this is terrible. Look at them like lurch around. I love how he's lurching around, but he still manages to put his communicator in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is... Gotta Velcro thing. that thing. <clears throat> I mean, this is the thing about this episode, and, and one of the reasons why it doesn't work is because I don't think it really knows what it's trying to do the whole time, because the way that it plays is like... I mean, you just look at it on the surface, and it's like, this stuff is supposed to be funny, but it's not... And then, you know, you look at the sort of subtext and the way that it actually plays in the episode, and it's like, this is not supposed to be funny at all. This is supposed to be, horrifying, you know, terrifying. Yeah. And it's like, but it's not because of the way that you're directing it, the way that you're playing it on the set, you know? See, and it's like, if you're trying to figure out how to do this story, to me, you've got to make sure that you're not undermining yourself by doing something which most people tuning in are going to think is laughably bad you know not just laughable or but just laughably bad because you can't divorce yourself from the fact that these actors are you know hamming it up and it's it's a, a, a weird balancing act and they did not um successfully accomplish it if you ask me that was a deck of cards um <laughs> You've a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> Sorry, um, I I see what you mean because especially this first like five minutes of it, it just was like, what is happening? 
And I was definitely, it laughably bad is a, a good way to put that. I also like how they're like, here's some random stuff. Let us have one of your people. Like, they think that this is actually like a fair <laughs> trade. Like, here's some ugly Damn. shield. Take it and let me have one of your best friends in the world. <laughs> like, what is he going to do? Yeah. Hang that up on his wall and be like, this is better than McCoy. <laughs> but I mean yeah. it just kind of shows that these people do not value life they don't even value their own lives I mean they're just eh. anyways but I do see what you mean Mike about especially at this very beginning where you have at, at least we can say that Shatner definitely commits <laughs> he doesn't do it yeah. he, he, he commits to it and so do the rest but especially Shatner like it, but it it does. It's it it says first. It's really really funny and not funny in a good way. Funny in a like what is happening? This is stupid kind of way. And I definitely did that for most of the beginning. And then it just started to get slowly really 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 horrifying to me. And I think that's why um probably I liked it more than you did because I don't feel like you you never felt it was horrifying, right? Like that never came through to you. No, I mean I saw what they were going. It just for, didn't work. You know, I mean. It just did not yeah. work at all. Yeah, the execution is the thing that was. Yeah, yeah. Was I can poor. see. If this was directed better, it it might have been a better episode. Yeah. See, for me, like it happened really slowly, but it did work for me, and I think that's one reason why I probably reacted differently because there's a there's a moment where I suddenly was like, oh my god, this is horrifying. Can you imagine? Um, it's like for me, if I can go to a different fandom, it's like a Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire. There's a scene where Moody has the spiders and he's demonstrating the um, the curses, the unforgivable cur curses, and he does the Imperius curse on the spider and makes it dance and everyone's laughing. And then he's like, yeah, so funny. How would you like it if I did it to you? And everyone's like, oh, wait, this is horrifying. There was like a moment like mm -hmm. that for me. And I think it's coming up, actually. It's when McCoy is watching them um, that I was just suddenly like, oh, my God, this isn't funny at all. This is terrible and i'm really upset so and yet i mean i mean you, you give that example from harry potter and i mean I, I don't remember that scene or whatever but um or even yeah i don't even know if it's in the movie but they're able to accomplish that in one scene where here they're not able to accomplish what they're trying to do here in 51 minutes i definitely you know? agree with that i feel like you could make this episodes pacing a lot lot better yeah I, I mean the the setup is so quick but then there's like this huge middle part that is the same thing it, yeah yeah mm -hmm. it reminds me <laughs> like when i was watching it i was like I, I just went to see eyes wide shut again the other day i don't know if you why? guys yeah why movie, because it's one of the best movies ever made okay wow. <laughs> Okay, but like the structure of that movie is like insane and crazy and awesome, where it basically takes him on a journey, and then the journey ends, and then the next day he's trying to figure out what the hell happened, and he basically goes on that journey a second time, but now with his eyes open in a sense, and like I I kind of got the and so you're basically you basically watch the same movie twice. And I kind of got the impression here that, that that was going on. But to me, this time it was more because they needed to fill out the 50 minutes yeah. as opposed to anything else. 
I mean, like this stuff here, like why would they think like this is a good thing to to do? I remember when they first started dancing, I was like, they're dancing. Yeah. Oh my God, they're (laughs) dancing. I think it's, yeah, I think this is the point where like McCoy is getting so upset and they're making Kirk like debase himself in this way. He's like crawling on the floor and like all of his pride is basically taken from him. And that look from McCoy. Yeah, this is where I think um, acting helps a lot. Hmm. And I mean, here's another thing, though, too, right? And you I don't know, maybe it's just... Velcro in his pants. I like it. <laughs> I never noticed the Velcro where he sticks his... Uh, sticks the communicator. I mean, maybe maybe it's a personality thing or something like that, or maybe it's, you know, being in this situation or whatever. Like, I can understand how horrible it would be to be controlled by someone like against your will and all that stuff. But in terms of like the humiliation, like the stuff that they're doing and they're like, how can you make him do this? Can't you see that he, you know, he's, he's a very dignified person and you know, this is terrible for him. He's going to be so ashamed of himself. Like I would not be ashamed if someone made me do this stuff. I'd be like, that's in all front on of you, three dude. Three other people. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, don't think I mean, Kirk like, is ashamed. He doesn't play it like he well, is. He keeps well, telling. They, they make it sound like like he he is. Like, how can you do this to him? This must have been horrible for you to crawl around on the floor like a horse. Yeah, no, it's... And it's like, mm. really? I don't think that he would. Yeah, care. I don't think he does. Or I wouldn't. I, care. I never got the impression that he was embarrassed or ashamed. I got the impression that it was just really hard on McCoy. But Kirk is still, okay. you know, issuing orders uh, throughout this, like whenever he gets a chance. I-, I do like Barbara Babcock in this scene because she just does a really cruel smirk throughout all of this. And just, I like that. Spock doing you? No, he's about to do a dance. See that smirk? I like it. Oh, yeah. It's so mean. I love Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy is it's impossible for me to not think he is super hot even when he's doing stuff like this. <laughs> like he's doing some sort of really creepy jig right now. <laughs> and I'm still like 100% on board with Spock. <laughs> it reminds me of the I well I guess it's like Yeah, like a f- a foot to the fan- to the face like putting someone's boot on somebody's face. That's pretty degrading. Especially when you're making his best friend do it. I can see that. But at the same time, like, I I don't think that these guys would be, you know, would feel degraded by that, you know? I and, and here's another thing, right? And I mean, I guess I don't know completely how Vulcans deal with, with emotion and stuff like that, but... You know, McCoy's like, stop it. Stop making him, you know, experience these emotions. He's he's a Vulcan. He can't handle it or whatever. And I don't know whether that's because, like, he's, it's, it's some sort of biological thing or whether it's just because he's like, I can't believe you saw me laugh and I can't believe you saw me cry. Because, you know, in, in the in the post uh, this scene scene, like you know, Spock is sitting in the corner, and he's just like, "I, I just need to. You just need to give me a minute here because I can't really deal with this right now." And to me, Spock, being 
the logical one would you would think would be like, you know what, whatever. Obviously, you guys know what was going on, and I know what was going on, and that's not how I am, and, you know, these things happen. Whatever. It's like they force something to the surface that he tries to keep hidden. I mean, sure, sure. But I, I still don't see him being sort of like affected by that Ugh. aspect of it. To me, the thing the thing that they should be focusing on here is not like the fact that they these guys are like breaking these three characters. It's that they're controlling them, you know? <laughs> like that to me is the issue. I, I, I absolutely can see where you're coming from. I'm just sitting here just like so horrified right now. It's so creepy. The whole thing is just so it's, creepy and my skin is crawling. It's much better without the sound. It just like like watching it now, it's it's much creepier and then, just like the God, silent. Leonard film Nimoy kind of is version. so good. Look at him. And it's just oh God. So creepy. Now this is the part where Dan was like, no. He'll never like forgive this episode for this. And I see, I think it's just so horrifying. Like it, it actually makes me really upset. Cause it's so degrading for both of them. Uh-uh. It's it's a really fine line that they're walking because that's what they're going for, obviously. And yet you look at it and you see essentially through the same eyes that 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 these uh the the platonians are seeing this through you know the platonians are like look this is funny and you're sitting there watching it not as like basically it takes you out of the context of the episode you're not well for me anyway i'm i'm not watching it as like these guys these characters are being controlled by the platonians i'm watching it as Essentially, these actors are being controlled by a crappy script. And, like, this script is making William Shatner, you know, crawl around on the floor like a horse. Yeah. And okay. this is something that he had to do. I was and actually like, thinking the exact same thing when I was watching it. I'm like, it's not only degrading to the characters, it's also degrading to the actors. So, basically, the the writers of season three are like the Platonians. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, but Leonard Nimoy, look at that skill. He is such a good actor. He's Yeah, and and the suppression of emotions has to be genetic or it wouldn't matter that he's half Vulcan. I mean, like that's my not issue, but because, you know, it's it's science fiction, but like every alien species, like it seems to be genetic. Like uh Bellana is half Klingon spoilers so yeah i don't know who that is in so voyager no spoilers right uh you know this this girl's half klingon so she's angry because she's half klingon spock is half vulcan so he's logical because he's half vulcan it's like in their genetics to repress their emotions it's not only a taught thing i mean but they go back and forth depending on the episode like colon r you know like oh i can purge all my emotions it's like is that can anybody do that? Or is that just because you're a Vulcan and you're genetically predisposed to be able to do that? Yeah, I think... Oh, God, I love this. I love him. This whole thing that he has where he can be so impassive but still conveys such great emotion. That is so rare. So rare in an actor. 
Like, the idea that they've pushed him so far that he is actually feeling hatred. Yeah. And this is, um, for me, a, a pretty good McCoy, Kirk, Spock. Like, they spent a yeah, lot I of time together in this episode, and I'm always cool with that. Yeah, I will say there are a lot of good McCoy moments in here. I particularly like like when he's sort of like standing up for Spock and saying like you can't do this to him even though like that's the thing that he's constantly giving Spock a hard time about, you know? Like you are so unemotional and it just drives me up the freaking wall. And then when someone else is making him show his emotions, he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" You know, this is the worst thing you can do to this dude. So yeah, I mean I I like that. Yeah, there's like that. there's a big difference between what McCoy says and what he feels a lot of the times especially when it comes to Spock. And it's another yeah. it's another good thing that we have such a good actor cuz that comes through really clearly. Like he needles Spock because he has to because Spock and McCoy come to to everything from a totally different perspective so that puts them in conflict all the time. But it's an understandable conflict and he loves Spock. I mean, they love each other. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where I feel like it's like your family. Like, you you can annoy them, but nobody else, right. you know, let anybody else yeah. is mean <laughs> to them, and you're like, back off. Like, that's a really believable right. thing to, for, to me. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then I just, I, I really like this Alexander character. He's so brave. Yeah, it, it, he's a cool character. And it's gonna shiv him. He kind of he really he has uh, really the biggest arc in this episode because he's so beaten down when they first meet him, and then like be meeting the crew and like having someone treat him like a human again. Well, a person, I guess, because I don't think he's human. And then he yeah. he kind of steps up in a really big way. And I guess that's kind of the thing with the original series in particular. I mean, Star Trek in general, but the original series in particular, which is kind of unfortunate in a sense. But, like, he is going to have the biggest arc in this episode or because, you know, the, the other characters can't really have life-changing arcs because they need to be back to where they were at the start of the episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why most of the character development for these characters happens in the movie. Yeah. Especially mm -hmm. for Spock. Yeah. Okay, so now we get we'll to get the to sciencing. Where Kirk, Spock, and McCoy get together and they solve the problem like only the three of them can. Mm -hmm. I just, I love these three. They're such a perfect unit. Yeah. The McCoy being the emotion and Spock being the intellect and Kirk being the bravery. And then, like, together, they're completely unstoppable. Yep. Yeah. I like how quickly they figure all this out. Like, well, if they weren't always telepathic, obviously, we can all get tel telepathy. Well, wait, what? Why would you even think that? <laughs> they're aliens. Yeah, they're, they're not even... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean... It's sciencing. <laughs> right. 
<clears throat> if we really broke down the science, uh, I'm not sure much of it would hold up. I, I don't tend to break it down unless it interferes with my enjoyment of the episode. But uh, there's lots of stuff that I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> If you did that for, to every episode, you'd write a book, like The Nitpicker's Guide to Classic Trek. <laughs> Man. If book. I wrote a uh, if I wrote a book about Star Trek, it would not be about the science. I can assure you of that. I'm trying to think of someone <laughs> less qualified to write that book, and it might be Mary Cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I am a hundred percent on the <laughs> English social science creative side of things. Like I can barely I can barely do basic math, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> like that side of my brain doesn't work. Which is one reason why, um, I, I mean, I, I don't connect to the science very often. I, it, it, it needs to be connected to the characterization, otherwise, I just tune it out completely. Yeah, a lot of people give Star Trek crap for being so science to science, but it doesn't. Most of it's so made up science that it doesn't matter. But it's all based on real science, so it's kind of educational. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me that they science the science in every episode. That is totally fine with me. As long as it doesn't overpower the story, like, mm -hmm. that's totally fine. Like, they're they're coming together with some sort of plan that I don't understand, and who cares? Like, they're doing it well. It's fine with me. <clears throat> I do think that sometimes they take too long, and they spend too much time spouting technobabble. A bunch of made-up words that don't actually go together very well, but... Um, when it's the three of them, oh, I tend to forgive them. <laughs> in in this episode, it's pretty straightforward. You know, they're just saying, like, there's stuff in the food that they ate that gave them these powers. So if we take that stuff and we inject it, then we'll have these powers. And that's it. I you like that that McCoy has this stuff with him. Yeah, that's a little convenient, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't. I don't have to go back up to the ship. I got it right here. If I mix these two things, I kind of mm -hmm. like that. the 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 idea is is that Alexander's <clears throat> other, like the fact that he's a small person, is connected to why he doesn't have telekinesis. I like that they tie those two together. Yeah. He's. Oh God, he's so great. Uh, yeah, and I like that that he doesn't want the powers. Yeah, even though he's been abused by this these is... people for so long he doesn't he doesn't want the I love powers. this speech It's like if I'm going to laugh or cry I want it be to be because of me Duh. Okay <clears throat> so now we get Uhura and Chapel um it's it's it starts yeah. to get Reasons. even more creepy um when it's Uhura and Chapel um, because there are some power dynamics there. But one thing that keeps it from going over the line for me is the fact that it's not just them that are being controlled. It's all of them. So they're not singling out the women in any specific way. Right. right. Let's take a moment and talk about how gorgeous they both are and how these costumes are awesome. And then, see here, I know that, and I can absolutely see why people would think that they look stupid, but I think they all look great. 
I like Kirk's outfit. Spock's is just Spock can wear a bucket hat. (laughs) He can wear a Mr. Miyagi bathrobe. He can totally rock this. I'm pretty sure there's nothing Spock has ever worn that hasn't made me go, okay. (laughs) That is the power of Leonard Nimoy. Power of unbearable hotness, I guess. With all that makeup, uh, Chapel really does look like Loxana. Yeah, she's got really beautiful cat eye makeup on in this. Uh, the telekinesis people sure know how to do cat eye. That's really tough <laughs> to pull off. Like I said, the first 15, 20 minutes of this episode, I'm not... I mean, I, th- I just think it's kind of boring. Uh, but I really, really love this scene. And I think it's really, really interesting. Because we've got the horror of it. And then also, this is where the the themes come through so starkly. The themes of power and how abusing power makes everything horrible. <laughs> I don't know. It's a pretty straightforward theme, obviously. But I, I, I do think it's a, a good one and I do think it's a, an important one. Like this is kind of what I was talking about with it's it's like uh you know, it's like we're back and ready for round two, you know, and now we're seeing like the same thing that we were seeing before, you know, just again, just like variations on a theme. And, you know, well well I see what you're saying about how maybe uh the theme or the the nail is hit, you know, a little harder on the head here. You think they've already made the point. Why not yeah, or yeah, maybe maybe start off with your A game and do this first and then don't do the thing that you did before. Or you I know agree. What I mean? That would have made it a lot stronger, I think. Lines. There is like way too much time devoted to it, I think. Um and I think this scene is um a million times more effective than the earlier scene. So cutting the earlier scene and just having this one might have worked much better. Oh, but man, yeah, they had to fill that time. I would, I would walk over broken glass to have Spock serenade me. <laughs> oh, it's just I love, I love Spock, <laughs> and I, I feel so strongly for Chapel in this because she's basically getting everything she's ever wanted, and it's horrible. Like, look how yeah. sad she looks. Like, she would she would walk over broken glass to have Spock serenade her, you know? But the second that choice is taken out of it, like, she hates it. Look how much she hates it. And Barbara Babcock with that great smirk. They don't really give her a lot to do, but uh, she does what she's supposed to effectively. Just make yeah, you hate make her. you hate the society and how cruel it is. Is it true that um, Nimoy and Uhura were supposed to kiss? Or I, I don't think I read so. That. I don't know. There's been so many variations on you know whatever the the story here and everything. 
Yeah, so like this is an Which, example of if it had been just the women being controlled, it would have been really hard to take. And see, this is even the serenade even a million times worse. Like she absolutely hates this. <laughs> she loves Spock. And she'd love to be making out with Spock. Hmm. So sad. Just take a moment, Mike, and think about how much more horrible this episode would be to you without these actors. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that they're great. I mean, you know, Shatner in particular, you know, he he's really good at doing this sort of thing. You know, it's kind of his wheelhouse. And, uh, yeah, he's he's really good at that. I'm, I mean, all the performances are great, but uh, the, the the writing does not do them justice. Yeah, I just I'm thinking about how this scene, these this episode didn't work for I would say most people because from what I got the reactions from my tweeting it definitely did not work for most people. I mean, there were a handful of people that said it was one of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever. I'm just imagining how much more it would not work <laughs> if you had terrible actors. Like it would be oh, sure. unbearable. <clears throat> And like I oh man, I love this Uhura scene because she's like putting her trust in the captain and like thinking back to all of the times that he's made it okay for her in the past. And she's just so beautiful and strong. This is so horrible. And I also found it really interesting because, you know, people started telling me, oh, guess what? There's going to be this interracial kiss. I'm like, guys, I'm not, I wasn't dead. Like, I know that there was an interracial kiss on the show, but I didn't know the circumstances at all. And I didn't know the context. And I found it interesting that they made this, this big leap forward and they didn't make it consensual. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. You know, I mean, like, obviously, everyone knows about it. And like when my, my wife is watching the show for the first time, she's like, and my, my, my wife is black. Uh, that's important to this <laughs> story. She's like, okay, so there's the first interracial kiss, and it's not consensual. And then we're going to follow it up with a white dude whipping a black woman. So that's yeah, cool. There's... Yeah, there's... I I was really surprised because I was like, it's not romantic. It's horrifying. Yeah. And they went with this, this huge mm -hmm. moment and they made it horrifying. Like, I, I think it works in the context of the theme, but there are some definite layers there that uh, if you take it completely out of the show, right, out of the story that they're telling, and you take it totally from a writing production perspective, there's some really disturbing things about it. Yeah. And maybe they could do that better now, but at the time, and it being such a huge moment, it makes it really, really unfortunate. But I do think she's beautiful in that scene. And she's so strong. And Nichelle Nichols, man. I really wish they had given her more to do. Yeah. Yeah, but it was just so progressive to have her on the bridge that they didn't need her to do yeah, it. Yeah, according to them. Yeah. I did. I do like that speech by Kirk 
Like, it's like... You're horrible. All of you are horrible. Yeah. You're horrible people. And he really nails how, like, how disturbing and disgusting their society is. And again, that guy playing Alexander is so great. Yeah. And I, I like how they contrast that Barbara Badcock has got that horrible smirk, but Parman, his name is Parman, I think, has no expression at all. Like, Even, this means nothing to him. He's like hmm. total sociopath. He just is, you know, this is what he thinks he needs to do to get what he wants, so he'll do it. And he won't care about it at all. Yeah. Ugh, so uncomfortable. So I would definitely, I liked this episode more than basically everybody else, <laughs> from what I can tell. But I would not say it's a great episode, or that I loved it. There are some serious flaws with it, but I just find it to be really, really interesting. And it brought up a lot of issues that I think are interesting. Ah, and then Kirk is like, screw you. <laughs> 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 I love that. So the power is reversed now. Yeah. And they handle They've, it totally differently. It just took a few minutes. So then is it because yeah. they had this power from the beginning that they couldn't handle it? Or were they bad people that got power? Like, which was first? I mean, they've been... They've been here for like 2,500 years. Yeah, so, so the power corrupted you really them don't absolutely, know. I guess. <laughs> right. But who were they powering? I mean, they've all lived there together well, for Well, that's why they years. need Alexander. They abused Alexander to for torture. thousands of years? It's really shitty. I would imagine that if we really played this out, I would imagine that their politics are really, really, really cruel. They probably torture each other. Oh. But... It doesn't come through, really. It seems like they just torture Alexander. But if I were to extrapolate... you have no idea how they relate to each other. Yeah, like that kind of society, that cruel society that's based totally on power, I would imagine that there's a lot of maneuvering against each other. Uh And I like that Kirk is using... Instead of forcing Alexander to do things, he's forcing Alexander not to do things. Yeah. Which I'm sure is a weird reversal for him. He's protecting him rather than controlling him. But Parman, he deserves whatever he gets, right? Well, yeah. He's the villain. I love this speech. And that actor, goodness. I just keep bringing it up because it's just could be so bad and maybe it is maybe i'm the only one who thinks it's good (laughs) (laughs) no i mean he's he's good you know in this for sure you know the message is is solid and everything like that you know the the only problem is they didn't know how to do it you know i feel like you could have made this episode spectacular if it had been executed differently and paced differently 
And of course, one of the the problems with working in television is everything's got to be at this time exactly fifty minutes long, and lots of times it, it, your concept doesn't justify a fifty minute runtime, or you can't fit it all into fifty minutes. Yeah, I mean, hmm. you know how they like beamed directly down. That I mean, you could have easily. Yeah done a cold open where they hadn't met Parman yet that brought up this theme in a different way between the crew. I mean, think about all the TNG episodes that start with those awesome poker cold opens in which they start addressing the theme amongst themselves before they ever get into the shenanigans. Yeah, but that kind of speaks to the difference between the two series and the difference in, you know, Roddenberry's philosophies and, you know, and everything like that. The difference between Kirk and Picard, yeah. really. Whereas the original series was always much more of sort of an action-driven show and you would jump into an episode in mid-crisis. You know, um, Next Generation was much more passive and everything like that. And I think that that was sort of a... Um, I think in, in Next Generation, a lot of it had to do with being a direct response to what um, the original series was like, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it took them a couple decades to figure that one out. But, it just, I feel like uh, if that episode was redone and a handful of things were changed, Michael Dunn, I'm, yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying to look him up. But my, my <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like that that story could have been done so, so, so well because the themes that they brought up were just great and very fascinating and very relevant. And you have the, the, those actors, which are like top notch. And it just doesn't the pacing doesn't work. Um, so there, you have this episode that there are great moments, but the whole thing doesn't come together the way it could. Yeah. 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 But there's also some uh, curious choices which were made uh, in terms of the writing and the direction, which I think sort of undermine uh, the thematic, uh, um, you know, sort of stuff that's going on in here. And and that's that's also a problem. So, yeah, to me. So. When I was doing this episode and I was like, I kind of liked it. I would say that in the end, like thinking back, I would put it in the middle of the original series, but like on the lower end of the middle, whereas everybody else seems to place it firmly at the bottom. And I think that's the difference for me. It's not like it's it's an excellent episode. I just it was surprising to me how much people hated it. Yeah, I wouldn't put this episode at the bottom. You know, I mean, there's a lot of episodes which I just don't even remember because they were so insignificant, you know, that I'm sure would go lower than this. This one stands out, though, because it has some epically bad moments in it. All right, get this. I looked up Michael Dunn. He played Dr. Loveless on The Wild Wild West. He was the main villain for The Wild Wild West. So he was like the Kenneth Branagh of the TV he show. Was, he was the Kenneth Branagh in the TV show, yeah. Seriously? That's what, what, literally what he was? Yeah, they adapted his character into Kenneth Branagh. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen him I, in anything else, but he really made an impression on me. He was great. Yeah, he was. 
So sorry I did that to you, Mike. That's okay. We made it through. And it. I just I like the, I like it when people disagree, if that makes sense, because it. Well, sure. It makes it more interesting. Yeah, if everyone if everyone agrees about everything, then things get really boring, and it doesn't really um, add anything to the discussion. It's just people saying like, "Wasn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, that was cool." I mean, di- disagreement leads to exactly. you know discussion. I mean. That's the point sort of, of everything. Yeah, I mean, the point of discussing and critiquing yeah. the show we love so much. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of you know? what I do think is the worst episode of the original series, and I think it might be like for just purely bad, boring, terrible, no redeeming value. I think it might be in the children's show lead. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. See, I, I can't, I couldn't, couldn't even tell you what the worst episode was because chances are I don't remember. Yeah. It. Even though I've seen it like three times. I mean. At least. Yeah. And then like the episodes I hate the most are, are different. But that one just is like pointless. And at least the other yeah. ones aren't pointless and boring and forgettable. And I don't think that this one is pointless and boring and forgettable. So. I have to say you, you have increased my opinion of this episode. <laughs> Uh, in my, I'm not Enterprise Extra. I don't have like a list of of episodes ranked, <laughs> but uh, if I did, it would have moved up a few Aww. spots at least. Well, uh, then I did something right. <laughs> oh, it's good to shed some light on on its redeeming qualities, even if you know on the whole it still doesn't work tremendously. And well. really, watching it without the sound helped a lot because you really focused on the actors acting. And their faces. Like Barbara Gab- Babcock's smirking and, and just everybody's expressions of pain because you're so, uh, you're watching their actions so much. Like, look at them being goofy. But, you know, when there's no sound, you're like, look at their expressions. They're really not enjoying it. It is torture. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was Plato's well, Stepchildren. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, that's season three. <laughs> For real this time. And uh, yeah, cool. So uh, we're gonna have to hear what you have to say about the movies, and you know, put a put a cap on this thing. I'm really excited about talking about the movies. I have a lot to say. Excellent. We should do that like next week or something. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. Well, where can people find you if they want to hear you before next week? Um, okay, well, I am currently live tweeting Deep Space Nine, which is awesome. Um, yeah. At First Time Truck uh, is my Twitter handle. Uh, you can also check me out on Women at Warp, which you can find um, on iTunes. Right here on Trek on FM. Trek FM. Uh, yes, and then also we have our own website, which is womenatwarp.com. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, welcome back anytime. Yeah. I just have to find out what your next uh, episode you don't want to watch is and then make you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, there's there's some which we could probably have some good good, uh, (laughs) debates about. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Okay. I look forward to it. It's more fun. It's more fun to have Mike talk about things he really loves and nobody else likes. Oh, well, we could do that too. Yeah, we already did an in the darkness commentary. Otherwise, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. You missed it. Oh well. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again. Yep. Thank you very much. Au revoir. That was fun talking to Andy about 
Plato's stepchildren, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. No doubt. You would always go director's cut. I would always go director's cut because this because is what the director, right. director intended. It's art. This is not a democracy. It's a cheerocracy. And the director is the cheer tater. Earl Grey. You know, what the dressing up and what the, the clubs and the meetings and the podcast, you know, all really comes down to is just finding and talking and being around other people who enjoy something that you really enjoy. The Orb. I'd like to see the Borg assimilate Ferenginar, and then they would become bankers. You know, I could see... Oh my gosh, I could see drones. Yeah, yeah. The the world's (laughs) strictest bank ever. (laughs) I'm sorry, you have not paid your loan. You will be assimilated. (laughs) The nanites go into you. (laughs) Yes! The ready room. Oh, man. I can see, instead of Kirk, it's Mike Ditka throughout the entire He's <laughs> just, like, chewing the whole time. Like, yeah. Edith Killer must die. Oh, she's got to die. Commentary, Trek stars. The theme song, I mean, I, I guess it's cool. The thing that, that I was kind of struck by was the opening title sequence itself. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> it's literally, that. like... All three of them are running for their lives. The 602 Club. But I loved the scene with um, Lucy and Tumnus when they first meet, because Mm -hmm. that's a very vivid description in the book. Um, And I felt like they they really nailed that in terms of the way it looked. And and the CGI was advanced enough so that um, James McAvoy really looked like he had fawn legs and... Literary Treks. Tell us about coming up with this this story for the crew of the Enterprise. Where did it come from for you, and what were some of your inspirations for diving into these characters once again? Well, Troublesome Minds was such a book that it left me with, as if I, I didn't quite finish. I'd come up with Troublesome Minds as an idea. that The, the idea was, what pushes Spock toward Colinar? Axanar, the official podcast. There is more to life than just get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, repeat until dead. There's more to life than that. And I I believe that uh, that's the essential magic of Star Trek is that it says it it appeals to that, that urge to get up off the couch, walk out the front door and go see what's out there. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We've got some feedback here from Michael Hickerson. Uh, he is from the Prime Universe. I like how he, uh, how he selected that answer. And he said, listening to episode 80 in the conversation about season three of Classic Trek. Like Mike and Drew, I watched Star Trek originally in a vacuum, the syndicated production order with little or no collective fan consistency on which episodes were good or bad. I think that is something that could be missing from today's fans coming to the show. It's so easy to Google and find out what fans think about episodes and go in with a bias toward liking or disliking certain stories or elements. Which is why I applaud what Andy is doing trying to watch the series through without the fan bias. 
That said, I respectfully disagree on a few of her points about Season 3. For one thing, she states that she didn't think Roddenberry could have had much to do with Turnabout Intruder, and perhaps he didn't have final polish on it, but he did write the episode. I haven't read this far in These Are the Voyages, so I can't say how much or how little or what makes it into the final teleplay is Roddenberry and how much is the other credited writer, but I recall Roddenberry saying this would be a good showcase for Shatner, so it appears he had some awareness of what was in the shooting script. As for whom gods destroy, I suppose Andy's rage over the death of Marta glossed over how terrible the confrontation scene is in the final moments. The one with Garth as Kirk and Spock refusing to choose between them. Numo was famously unhappy with season three and how Spock was increasingly portrayed and this scene certainly stands out for that. Or maybe the Cloudminders that completely throws out the whole Vulcan Ponfar thing and has Spock crushing on the girl in the clouds. There's a lot more that just doesn't work about the Cloudminders, and I find it interesting to see it included in the list of good episodes from that season. Season 3 is an interesting example of what can happen when you cut the budget so far and have the creative staff that made the first two seasons so memorable lose interest or be forced out the door. Anyway, thanks for letting me respond. I hope I haven't irritated anyone too much. That's okay. Irritation is good. I'm all for irritation. <laughs> but I'm not irritated too much. But thanks for writing in. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Brought us some good points. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it is interesting to think that, you know, Roddenberry wrote Turnabout Intruder. Um, and yeah, I, I, I haven't read that far in These Are the Voyages either, but um, I am curious to know how much of, of what he wrote ended up on the screen. Uh, I I was just re-listening to uh, Ready Room sixty nine, uh, that we did on Turnabout Intruder, yeah, and we did bring up that Roddenberry had uh had talked had written it, and how maybe Roddenberry was uh dreaming about uh, a, a crazy ex girlfriend of his, and how that girlfriend would want to take over Star Trek, and maybe. It was more parallel than than we'd want to realize, but we were also really, really drunk. So uh. <laughs> well, that's good. That's always the best way to record a podcast. <laughs> it was episode sixty nine. We had to. <laughs> did we get drunk for episode sixty nine of this one? No, we did not. Oh, okay. But it was ready noob sixty nine, and we had Ginny and Char on, so it was a. Uh, there was going to be drinking anyway. Okay. All right. Well, if you want to contact us and share your thoughts on uh, today's show or any of our other shows, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars. And you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com, which is my own website where I do commentary Trek Stars off topic and commentary Trek Star Babies. And you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D O U B L E O F I V E, and on various other places around the network and the internet and other podcasts and everywhere. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who hosts Bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible is something for everyone. Mike, do you have, like, a Plato book? 
I do. I have The Republic by Plato. It's cool. unabridged, 11 hours and 26 minutes long. Gracious. This highly regarded volume features a modern translation of all 10 books of The Republic, translated by Raymond Larson. The Republic is an explosion of thought, a 10-book brainstorm of one of the greatest minds of all time. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. I cannot guarantee that it will give you magical powers. You never know, though. Who knows? Find out. Mm-hmm. Because as a Trek FM listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you get to read or some kind of philosophy book. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer and joining him for the first time coming out of the shadows of support is Renee Roberts. Yeah. Thanks, Renee. So we have two associate producers. Yeah. One for each of us. Excellent. Richard can handle you and Renee can handle me. Okay. All right. So we'd like to thank them for supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at R-U-T-8972. And you can find Renee at MRES underscore 1701. So if you want to help them keep us in orbit, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and join Renee and Richard as associate producers. You can find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Well, it's nice to have an episode defended for us. Yeah. In, instead of, of defending our own episodes to each other. Yeah, it's good. I, it's always always good to, to, to hear a different opinion, even when it's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, poor Andy. Oh, she knows. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, warp factor one. Hi, sir.